Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Unknown. Jason McClellan. I'm here with Maureen Ellsbury and Shane Hurd today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Unidentified, the new UFO show on history, brought to us by Tom DeLong and his team of military, government, and aerospace insiders at To The Stars Academy, aired its second episode on Friday, June 7th. Today, we'll provide a brief recap of the episode, followed by our individual thoughts and opinions on the show. But first, let's get some announcements out of the way. We're just a couple weeks away from AlienCon. AlienCon takes place June 21st through the 23rd at the Los Angeles Convention Center in Los Angeles, California. Ryan Sprague and I are either presenting or participating in a wide range of programming at AlienCon LA. You can check out thealiencon.com for the event's full schedule and all the important details. If you haven't grabbed your tickets yet, use the code UNKNOWN to receive 10% off your purchase. And the Rogue Planet team will be hanging out at AlienCon all weekend, and we'd love to see you if you're going to be there. We'll be at the Scum and Villainy Cantina in Hollywood on the night of Friday, June 21st, as part of a larger AlienCon podcast mega meetup, which starts at 7 p.m. We'll post info about this meetup in the Rogue Planet Facebook group. We hope to see you there. Let's get things rolling with our unidentified conversation. First, Maureen is going to provide us with just a brief recap of episode two of Unidentified. Maureen? Sure. So um, episode two, you know, I should say first, episode one, um, you know, set the stage for this 2004 Nimitz UFO encounter known as the Tic Tac UFO. Um, And episode two primarily focused on the radar technicians, I would say, um, we were introduced to Kevin Day, who is a senior radar technician on the USS Princeton. Uh, and then also Gary Voorhees, who is also a technician. Um, and they did the big reveal, even though, you know, this has been in the, the news already that this was not a singular event of one tic tac, it was a whole box of tic tacs, so to speak, um, <laughs> and and that it was Very an nice. event that occurred over four days, a period of four days. So um, Kevin Day claims that he was uh, first spotted a bunch of these uh, objects on his radar screen for four days. He was watching them, um, and they were moving at weird speeds, kind of in formation. Uh, and then he'd start to see some erratic behavior. Uh, finally, he convinced his superior officer, hey, man, we, we should intercept these. Um, let's intercept one of these. And they got all excited. And so they, they then scrambled the jets, uh, the F-18 fighter jets, to, and that's, as we know from episode one, uh, we reviewed the pilot testimony that they spotted this object hovering over a disturbance in the water. So... Um, this other testimony from these radar technicians, different perspective, uh, different form of sighting. Then we have, uh, we learned that it was also spotted on sonar, 
um, that an object had dived into the water and that was going over 70 knots uh, underwater near a nuclear submarine. So, and that's definitely double the speed of a, a, any uh, <clears throat> known underwater craft we have. Um, and I think that, I mean, it's, it's interesting. So we, we get all these different perspectives and we're getting a more complete picture of what happened. And the whole stress of the episode two was we're revealing a bit of government cover up. So you have Kevin Day who says that all of the radar information disappeared. He can't find any communication from that day, which that's uh, not something that would normally happen. This stuff is logged and kept. Uh, for future reference, and he doesn't know what happened to it, um, said, you know, I don't know why, I don't know where. And then we meet Gary, who says that a mysterious helicopter came and told him to destroy all the data. So this is the reveal of like, oh, the government's trying to cover something up here. Um, we don't know who it was. We don't know where it was taken. Um, some people have doubted this guy's testimony, I know, but... Um, this is a big, that it's supposed to be the big reveal, you know, that these objects are doing something weird near Catalina Island. That's where they disappeared. And so we've got Lou Elizondo who goes to Catalina Island and discovers, well, not discovers, they're known military bunkers and activity going on in that area. Um, so we're starting to get a bigger picture of this one specific event and the investigations into it that, um, that ATIP was looking into, and now they're trying to figure out um, whether these objects are hostile, if they're from, um, you know, another country's advanced military, like how did this technology happen? What are these things? They are, I mean, you would think a threat if they are hostile, that uh, I believe the phrase was, if these are hostile, we're screwed. Um so, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. Now we're leading up to going to investigate the latitude and longitude that um, Kevin Day provided um, the team with, uh, which is an underwater. We see the preview that they're going to go out on a ship and investigate these areas. I mean, this is obviously like typical of uh, this type of show. And also, I will say one more thing. Sorry, I'm going on a, a tangent. We do get one little debunking thing uh, in terms of they were, I shouldn't say debunking, but they were able to rule out uh, NASA was testing uh, X-43, which is an ex was experimental unmanned hypersonic aircraft. Uh, but the top speed of this object or this, uh, the unmanned craft was only over 7,000 miles per hour. When we hear from Kevin Day, he estimates the speed of these objects, they were dropping uh, mass velocity at speeds upwards of 24,000 miles per hour. So nothing we know can go that fast. <laughs> so we have these really super, the mysteries widening, the objects, there's more now. He said that maybe there were hundreds or a hundred, I should say not hundreds. Um, so yeah. Um, that's where we're left off. We're still just doing this little investigation with them on this one event still. It was raining UFOs. Yeah, it was an interesting thing to hear him say. And that's just kind of mind boggling to think about. And it was kind of cool when um, it wasn't Lou, was it? No, I think it was uh, Chris Mellon who 
asked him, or was it Lou, who asked uh, him to draw on the paper what he saw on that the was scope. Lou. Okay. That was Lou. Yeah. yeah. So when Lou did that, and just seeing all these UFOs, and when he described it, he said it was you know hundreds, and it was raining UFOs. That yeah. paints quite a picture in your mind. Pretty bizarre. So the introduction to Kevin Day. This is really cool. And anybody following this story closely has probably heard of Kevin Day before. And Shane and I got to meet Kevin in Laughlin at the UFO Megacon recently. And we got to see his presentation too uh, when, when he was talking on stage. And uh, you really got to get a sense of the emotion that he still has when he tells the story. And that came out a little bit on the episode of Unidentified. But Shane, what did you make of Kevin when you met him personally? Yeah, I thought he was a very genuine guy. He was definitely not a UFO person at all. Just probably nothing he'd ever given any thought to. But, um, you know, over a beer, he was telling us basically that, you know, this this was a life-changing event for him and many people. And, you know, it had a negative impact on their life. And they dealt with things like depression. And, you know, just it was a very upsetting thing. And, you know, of course, with you know, the typical ridicule that comes with it and all that you can understand how, how that has an effect on people. So, um, however, at the same time, I just found him to be very credible, very factual, you know, super knowledgeable and, you know, reasonable, a reasonable guy, you know, he, he, um, you know, he articulated his, his case well and his feelings on the matter well. Um, and, you know, Gary was there as well. We, we also were able to meet Gary and a couple of the other guys. So, um, yeah, I think uh, as far as witnesses goes, you know, he, he's, he's a strong one. Yeah, I agree. And what did you think of the episode overall, Shane? I mean, Kevin was a, a big focus of it. But what did you think of, of the additions that this episode added to the overall Nimitz case? Yeah, I think, um, like, like Maureen pointed out, you know, the comments that there was like a hundred of these, I think that squares with one of the videos we saw where, um, you know, the commentary of the pilot was, whoa, you know, look at all of them kind of a thing. So, you know, multiple, and like you mentioned too, we were, we were aware that wasn't just a singular object, but that, you know, kind of paints a picture a little clearer. And um, I thought the episode was more kind of a traditional, you know, investigative type operation. I mean, they showed, you know, they they kind of uh, brainstormed in the office and they identified people and leads. And then they went out, you know, actually into the field and they interviewed people. And, you know, they had questions in mind from their prior research. And then then they took that information back and they brainstormed again. And so, I mean, I think they were showing you know, the process of investigating. And then um, the other thing I thought was kind of interesting was the Catalina Island stuff. And, you know, for years, there's been lots of talk of UFO activity there. And I think like, um, I think it's uh, Preston Dennett, maybe he, you know, that's kind of the, the cases he's, he's known for or sunk his teeth into. And, um, you know, it just kind of adds some credibility there is really what is going on in that area that, that, you know, there's this attraction or whatever. And I think Lou said, um, you know, is, is Catalina Island attracting them? Is it, uh, you know, is there some strategic importance other than obvious military for us? And, you know, they have communications tower towers out there and, you know, it's about 50 miles off the LA coast. So, you know, you can understand its strategic um, position in that way. But I thought that was kind of fascinating and not something I really had prior connected to to the Nimitz case. So I thought that was really interesting. And I like, you know, you pointed out the investigation process, and that is the fun part of a show like this, 
where they're leading us through that investigation process. And I liked seeing how both Lou and Chris Mellon are questioning the possibility of this being a military exercise or a military test flight. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're looking at that and Lou is saying, look, it's maybe, maybe conceivable that this could have been something us with the technology that currently exists. Well, let's explore that. And they're going through these things, trying to recognize if that could potentially explain what happened and if not being able to eliminate that from the possibility. So that is really cool to see them going through that process. Yeah. And they definitely, I think in, in within this military testing, like, is it conceivable that we were testing super secret aircraft while also running training exercises? And, um, you know, they stress the point of not, not everyone gets to know everything. Yeah. That was you know, really there, important. There may like be that. one or two people privy to this information. Um, but this would be rare that mm-hmm. there would be the intersection of our own technology. Uh, and when I say our own, uh, I mean you, the U.S., not foreign military uh, technology. So, yeah, did this, you know, secret testing uh, intersect with this other routine operation that disrupted it so much that they said, no, we're actually going to end training and we're going to do some real world operations mm-hmm. here. Um, and, and that's very curious. Again, you have um, Steve Justice, who is part of the To the Stars crew, who is a major player in Skunk Works. And you have him saying, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not going to reveal anything about top secret aircraft like I can't. That's mm-hmm. obviously need to know information. And then television show is not need to know in that sense. So, um, but you can sense he's like very, very watching every single word he says. He's like, I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. And and all these guys have to do that. Right. Cause they still have clearances. They can't talk about any, and we saw Lou again in this uh, talking to witnesses about not talking about anything that's top secret. Um, but it, it, it was kind of amusing that being the case, seeing Lou, um, talk to Steve justice, when talking about mm-hmm. this saying, you know, without revealing anything that's classified or, you know, top secret, what were your procedures? Like, clearly you can't <laughs> talk about anything yeah, with like, procedures no. or training <laughs> that would all be top secret when they're flying these things. Like, how do you go about doing this? Well, clearly he can't give an answer to that. Yeah, yeah I, I, th- I thought he was v- a very curious character myself. He was almost <laughs> a, an antagonist. And, it, you know, at first he was really shutting it all down. Yeah. And then... Then when it went into the conversation about the X-43, I think he he lightened up on that position because then then, you know, he laid out the whole, well, let's let's take a look at it and and see. And, um, you know, it's kind of a process of elimination. And I think like you mentioned earlier, Marine, uh, 24,000 miles an hour is at least four times, you know, the 7000 mile per hour. And you know, it didn't behave like these in any way. It didn't, you know, an X-43B doesn't go up and down, doesn't stop, doesn't hover, doesn't, you know, cross paths with planes. It doesn't, you know, meet you at a cap point. I mean, need we go on? So uh, it was it was almost like that traditional UFO show 
uh, tactic that's gone on in the past where they make this mysterious case and then they, you know, wrap it all up in a neat little bow because it was a misunderstanding. But it didn't go that way. It, it was looked like it was going to head that way. And then they said, but ah, actually, that is not a good candidate, you know, as yeah. an explanation for this. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I got a little confused there for a minute, but then then I figured out what, you know, what they were pointing at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it is important that they looked at that and showed it, because if you see pictures, you could conceivably think, well, maybe I could understand why that would look like um, it could be a candidate. And it was during the same time of the testing, you know, and, and they they analyze that. And I think that's great. But also, clearly, it does not explain the testimony of Kevin Day, who said there were hundreds or a hundred mm -hmm. of these objects. It was one singular unmanned aircraft uh, that was flying above. And it does not account for anything happening underwater. So I, I yeah. think the sonar aspect is very interesting because now it ties together um, the churning, hovering uh, object that the, uh, the pilot saw with now learning that something actually went underwater and was traveling at very high rates of speed underwater as well. Um, so these are objects that are mastering air and water, uh, mm -hmm. which then leads to even more potential for this to be a super, super dangerous object to, to us right now. Uh, it seems like obviously we've had 15 years pass and have not been, uh, attacked by these uh tic tacs so to Good speak point yeah um but does that mean that there's not potential if this was uh you know 15 years ago and this technology we haven't seen anything like this technology hit any um military operation mm -hmm. at this point in time around the world so mm -hmm. that i think adds a little bit more mystery because you know if you look at the history of secret black budget projects and black budget aircraft mm -hmm. we tend to see these revealed to us after a certain point in time and especially if this much information is coming out about it eventually that's going to end up as declassified information that the public is privy to if you do your research a little bit, you know? So I think this is, uh, really weighs in on whether or not this technology could be of earthly origin or whether there is some other, I mean, at this point in time, you know, you, you have on the show, they're saying too, we're not saying this is, I think Lou Elizondo said little green men, but, um, that he is not saying this is extraterrestrial in origin yet. And we know that, and that's how, it should be mm -hmm. uh, approached as well. Well, like you'd never say definitely aliens until we rule out any rational explanation. But right now, this is a big mystery. Well, and to that point, Maureen, something that added a little more mystery for me in this recent episode was that comment by by Lou and and Shane with the technical capabilities that you pointed out, the characteristics observed by these objects, um, and with Lou saying. It's maybe conceivable, you know, with the technology that currently exists, that maybe we're behind this. Like, that was a surprising statement, right? Yeah. What technology does he know about that can do all of these crazy things? That is, that is a good point. And that's kind of terrifying to think about as well. <laughs> right? Because he, he made that comment. And then there's Steve Justice, who's worked on... 
probably the craziest stuff that we have. And he said, yeah, we can't do that. So, you know, it raises more yeah. questions. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, who do you believe? Well, and this, this, you know, this, this is what an investigation in real life is like, you, you, you know, you don't have enough data to, you know, confidently say it is X or Y at first. I mean, it takes time to develop that. And I think that it's important that they do that due diligence and question, and, you know, and run down that, that path till, till it's complete, till it, you know, you've eliminated it completely being, is it a secret device of our own? Um, but the, the other thing I, it was, it was kind of new to me, I think, in that they had a sub in, in that training event and that they had sonar of an object underwater. I had not picked up on that earlier. Or was that out there before and I just missed it? Or was that just revealed in the show? Um, I didn't hear about it prior, I don't think actually. I'd heard about that either. But something else that they threw in this time, and, and this is something else that, you know, as objective viewers and observers of this whole thing, we have to watch every little thing and, and consider it and understand that this is a TV show and not getting nefarious or, or conspiratorial at all, but TV shows are steering a story a certain direction and they're telling a story. So you have to look and see what story is yeah. being told here. And with this information, we also in this episode saw the return of the wingman pilot who stated that when she saw this disturbance in the water, she, her initial reaction was she thought it was a submarine that had surfaced and launched something from the submarine. Mm -hmm. And now we hear that there was a submarine in the area. That's interesting. But mm -hmm. talking about the storytelling, we're seeing again in this episode and with the headlines that have been tied to this show, I think we're getting a clearer picture of a larger theme and a, and a motive here behind all this. And that is diminishing the ridicule factor with this topic. Yeah. I heard that brought up many times again in this episode, people not talking because they didn't want to be ridiculed. They didn't want to lose their jobs. They didn't want to be labeled a weirdo. So that is coming up again and again. And I think that's going to be, the overarching theme of this entire series, if nothing else comes of it, that's it. And, you know, with me, I would be very happy with that because you know how I feel about destigmatizing this topic and, and getting people to be able to realize the reality of the situation and have intelligent conversations about it. And we certainly hope that our military is very concerned about unidentified objects in the sky and want people to report them so they can look into them. I think that's a, a a great point. And as I mean, this is a little tricky, maybe for outside uh, people who have not been in this field for so long, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time in this field and, and know that it's totally normal to talk about this kind of stuff. At least I feel like that. I think I'm a normal person, you know, if an object is unidentified, you shouldn't be, you know, feel like you cannot report it. Nobody's Nobody should be, I should say, in intelligent conversations like this, like you said, in real world military pilots and other people spotting these objects. If it's unknown, it's unknown. And it shouldn't yeah. be a thing where you are ridiculed for not knowing what something is. So, yeah, again, I, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. I was going to say just, you know, but I think 
one one of the things accomplished by TTSA are two two things. The main thing in my mind is first revelation of a UFO program by the government, right? They denied that since 69. So I think that's the biggest thing that's been accomplished so far. But secondly, is the reduction of that ridicule factor. And that is so huge. I mean, you know, we've all personally experienced it. We know many people who have, but if you even go back and look at, you know, the story of Kevin Day and Voorhees and Turner and, you know, all of these guys, um, you know, it negatively impacted their life. This is the source of that emotion, you know, was the ridicule. And again, these are extremely highly qualified professional people who dedicate their lives to their, you know, technician skills and to, you know, serving our country and protecting us, you know, all in, more in than, you know, the average person. And all they wanted to do was to relate these factual uh, accounts of these things happening in the course of, you know, serving those functions and protecting the country. And for that, they're ridiculed, they're teased, they're poo-pooed, they're threatened. I mean, come on, that's that's just ridiculous. So, I mean, I think it is huge and important and really, you know, heartwarming really to see that, that you know, at least from the military's perspective, they're going to listen to these people. And, you know, and that in turn will free it up a little bit for us as well. And I'm sure you guys have already experienced it. I know I have that people are opening up, are listening and not, not ridiculing. So well, I so, think that's a big so, deal. Something that I think we've all experienced is something that I loved seeing depicted in the show. And that was the conservationist on Catalina Island who mentioned that, you know, when I talked about even up to a week ago to people about possibly being on this show, you know, they were telling me, oh, I've seen something strange in the sky. Oh, I've seen a UFO. And that's how it happens in the real world, right? I mean, everybody who yeah. we've told that we're involved in UFOs, you know, they want to tell their story or or they know somebody who's seen a UFO or they have a family member who has a story. So it just kind of all unfolds like that. Um, so those conversations do happen. I think the ridicule factor has diminished significantly in recent years. But the, just a side note, something funny I thought about in that moment, seeing that scene on this episode was just again, something that we see more and more with, with social media these days and, and TV production. And for anybody who's ever been involved in a TV production, Maureen and I certainly have in several. And, you know, you have these things called NDAs, you sign non-disclosure agreements. When you get engaged for any TV project or approached, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement saying that you're not going to Talk about the show to anybody or tell anybody yeah. what what the network is, what the 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 subject of the show is going to be. But clearly, right there on camera, she's saying, "Oh yeah, I was telling people all about it." I literally had the exact same <laughs> Did thought you? when oh, I watched I love you, that Maureen. clip. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, interesting." She's going around telling everyone she's going to be on a TV show. Yep, <laughs> that's funny. I noticed that comment. In fact, my wife watched it with me and, you know, she's not really too much into this, but I told her, you got to watch this. So, so, so she did, but she picked up on that too. She said that lady almost looks like a little embarrassed, but you can also tell that, you know, she, she, she had this experience and that, you know, people are talking to her and, you know, and, and it's a surprise that she stated that on, on the show. Now we're not aware of the NDAs per se, like you guys are, but it just, and again, it goes back to that ridicule factor that, you know, she's it's even being overcome for people who are 
you know, second, third, fourth tier down from, you know, being involved directly. And that's amazing that, you know, just people in, in positions you never think are affected by this as well. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. Like she looked uncomfortable in terms of oh, like, yeah. she was smiling and like kind of mm-hmm. just, he was telling this really serious thing and she was, I, I'm not really sure how much she particularly added to the show in terms of information. I think it was more just like access to trying a location. to, yeah. Trying to stress that access to some of these locations is not, mm-hmm. you know, easy. Um, but, but yeah, it's fine. It's we're setting the stage for again. And this is interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to say something a little crazy. You that's <laughs> no. surprising. Uh, no, no, no. And it's not that crazy. It's just, you know, there was so much uh, news and drama about the West Coast of California for, you know, a couple of years with this stupid, sorry, I shouldn't say stupid. You can tell my opinion on this <laughs> is the underground, alleged underground mm-hmm. base in Malibu mm-hmm. that was in the news for so long about these satellite images that were really strange. But it's, you know, as as okay here is where i think her testimony kind of her little bit was interesting is um talking about the tectonic plates and where they lie yeah, in the yeah. shipping because this brings in another interesting perspective or why are these areas being explored um and i i think that is a huge tie in is the west coast is on these fault lines um that are occurring and is this something it's it's similar to so much activity being around the nuclear uh bases and or submarines or anything else you know it's there's all these little tie-ins that are going to i think lead to more questions than we're ever going to get answers to so um i don't know i can see this happening because now we see next week on unidentified and they're gonna head on the boat and are they going to go diving? I mean, personally, I've been involved in a show where that's exactly what we did. Yes, we went out on a boat <laughs> and we went to go diving to go see what was underwater, why these UFOs are being spotted in this area. So um, that was a little deja vu for me. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Huh? <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. So so we'll we'll see um, what their whole purpose is once they get out to this latitude and longitude line that Kevin Day provides them, uh, what exactly they're going to do. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's the whole process of showing the investigation. If you have a, a location, yeah, let's go check it out. But as you know, with UFOs or anything that's unidentified, if you have a location, you're, like, again, we're talking this is 15 years later, unless there is some sort of weird secret thing underwater they can find – the location means jack shit because these are mobile objects and they're not going to be able to find trace evidence in the water from 15 years ago of these objects right. unless they have some sort of, oops, sorry, I just, uh, super cool information. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All you can do no. is look. Can we talk about one more thing though? Yep. Why? Did Lou Elizondo need to bring his giant backpacking backpack into Kevin Day's house? <laughs> he loves I traveling with that too. thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just man, feel like we just going backpacking so into the dude's house. Yeah. 
Yeah, can you leave it in the car? <laughs> <laughs> I was really curious about why that was because I feel like we saw his backpack highlighted multiple times in the first yes. episode, and then we see it again here when he's going in with Tom DeLonge. Like, get a nice little sla- small satchel. It'd be great. It's um, TV, Maureen. You know it. You just they I saw know. it, and they're all, hey, what, what, can you bring that with you? I yeah, think no kidding. They want him to look like a rough military guy, you know, like rugged. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it does that's give right. a military connotation, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. that, that's probably probably what that what what's behind that. But but you know, it is a TV show and there's an artistic, you know, um factor to it and, and I'm I'm sure this is well thought out, right? You guys yeah. know that. The entertainment aspect behind it, we mm-hmm. we know and that's just the way TV is and this is how they have to do it. Um I did appreciate after our uh we all discovered our weird scared crush on chris mellon last week <laughs> that we got a lot of chris mellon going around in different air- eyewear um yeah. talking to people and, and again here is where they're doing the smart thing with their team is they're playing up to each person's assets and using them right. when they know it'll be beneficial to the storyline so you know obviously we have steve justice and skunk works very mm-hmm. important if we're talking about uh advanced um aircraft that's probably top secret we've got you know uh chris mellon who they decided i think he would best be suited to interview this person Um, and then you had lou and tom delong interview kevin day uh it's i think it was the the they chose chris mellon to interview gary because uh, they were leading into that government cover-up comment. So, oh, yeah. yeah, that makes you sense. Know, it it feels like I know what they're doing, but again, I don't know the answers to uh, the mystery of this story. So, you've got that TV knowledge, and it's fun to watch, like through that lens. And like, I even find myself looking at the creative editing and stuff too, like with the <laughs> woman on Catalina, right, with her that just kind of awkward facial expression she had when Lou was talking. I wonder if that was actually during him talking about, there have been a lot of incidents here, or if it was just, you know, B-roll they were shooting at some random time when they were standing around and... Yeah. And then they like, edited in because it looked They were probably telling her, you know, we heard you were talking about this show and you weren't supposed to. <laughs> yeah. So that you signed here. <laughs> Awkward smile. Yeah. No. You know what, though? I, you did bring up something I, I would have liked to have known more about that whole tectonic plate issue. And, you know, they just they had a quick picture of her look like some kind of um, little kid book. Oh, God, a book or something. And but, like you know, you moved the pages around, and yeah. it showed showed the, the different plates moving stuff. I mean, I'm kind of a technical guy in a lot of ways. So I, I'm like, hey, I want to know more about that. So I'm going to look that stuff up, actually. I and it might be related, you know? Yeah. And I think that we'll see more of that. I think that's a lead in to future episodes. Uh-huh. And, you know, and this begs the question, and maybe you know this and I just have not paid attention, is season one only going to be an investigation of the Tic Tac UFO case? Uh, or know, are they going to tackle anything else? Yeah. So, well, so that, I mean, because we, we know we have the gimbal and the go yeah. fast, mm-hmm. you know, everything videos that have already been uh, publicly released. Uh, but are they going to get into those or are they, I think, I feel like it's going to be those three videos, yeah. if anything, that are covered in this. We're not going to see anything that hasn't, because other information has not been declassified yet. 
So, right. but how long is this one particular uh, case going to be investigated? Because we know that it's going to be next episode too. And it's a six episode first season. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. Like and they could, have- they could be using that as bait too, right? I mean, see how much they can milk with this one video, essentially, as their primer to a tip see what the response is with these six episodes and then get a full up a full series order of like 13 episodes or something yeah well i i'm i'm feeling like it's quite likely that they'll renew the show but i don't know about ratings or what so well i do know if you look at schedule for alien con la they will have at least some semblance of presence there. There is at least one time slot allotted for this show. Mm. So there will be um, at least a couple people associated with the show at Alien Con LA. Interesting because I've only been paying attention to you and Ryan's schedules, like looking at where I'm probably going to have to be at certain times during the day. (laughs) But I haven't looked at the rest of the programming. And it's continuing to be updated it seems daily. It's a lot of stuff's changing. Even a lot of stuff is moving around. So if you have looked at the schedule and you're hoping to plan your, your time at alien con and you, you, you want to come and see some of our stuff, do keep checking the schedule because that stuff has changed. And even the stuff that we talked about last week, when things were taking place, uh, some of that's already changed. So yeah, well, you can download the alien con app and yes, then it, and I on will, your phone and then yeah and you can stay current that way right Ooh, you, I can need favorite, to that. you can favorite you can favorite sessions that you're interested in and and set reminders so when those are yep. coming up you'll be notified but also the cool thing about the app and and ryan and i both both had this experience with alien con baltimore is the app is really well done and they've what they've really created this thing to do is create sort of an alien con community at the event because it has a very active essentially like message board, really, yeah, where people yeah. are just, just having a conversation. People are asking questions like, oh, yeah, what, what hotel are you staying in? Or, or what, what uh, panels are you looking forward to? Or this is my third Alien Con. How many have you been to? Just this ongoing conversation. So Zero. it gets really popular the weekend of the event, really active discussion. So if that's something that interests you, do check out that feature. But I think they do a really good job with the app. That's yep. that's great. It sounds like hostels, you know, like if, yeah. if you ever travel around Europe and you use Hostel World or something like that, they have, oh, this hostel has the chat board, which is great if you're traveling by yourself and you want to intersect with people. Right. Same thing with AlienCon. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's great to hear. Um, yeah. I like that. And uh, in, in even like last week, I think, I don't know if Ryan announced it on the last week's episode, but now again, like you said, now that uh, Mysteries Decoded got re-picked up on the CW that Ryan's a part of, uh, they're now doing a panel there. And that was brand new programming. So, yeah, right. unidentified. We're going to have multiple UFO shows represented there, obviously. Um, and then, um, obviously, Ancient Aliens. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's yep. what the show's based off or the yep. event's based off of. So, um, very interesting history. It, and I am interested that the fact that history is bringing in shows that are not on their network, I think that's smart for them because this has become a bigger event. It mm-hmm. shouldn't just be like a fan event for just their one show. And they've in, recognized in that. Failings. Yeah. They're really building this into like a whole sort of community event around this topic. 
And they even have, again, if you peruse the schedule, you'll find all sorts of discoveries in there, but they are also going to have a panel, a, a presence of a, a show about Skinwalker that hasn't even been announced yet. So hmm. interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, I, I think I do know some stuff about that show. Mm hmm. Yes, yeah. lots just of people have been inside this, knowledge this, on that. This show has been a rumor mill for a long time, and we certainly know some of the people who really executed this project. Um, some are no longer part of the project, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, and and maybe we'll get more clarification and, and some official announcements at AlienCon. So yeah, it's it's definitely turn, turning into sort of a, a Comic Con for for the alien UFO topic, where just all the production companies and shows and all that are coming together and everybody wants to have a presence there. Well, and speaking of that on the Comic-Con front, you know, that, that like you said, all right, so this is a fine line between the um, destigmatizing the ridicule factor and also understanding that it's okay to like, have fun with it too. I mean, it's it's bringing bringing it out of the shadows and bringing it in pop culture. Right, exactly. So, and on that note, I think we mentioned this last week that Jason is a judge of the costume contest. Yes. And I'm actually quite excited for his judging. I'm not going to, I don't dress up. I never dress up at Comic Cons. It's just cosplaying's not my thing. Uh, I really respect the people who put so much time and effort into these, like, very elaborate costumes that they build that take a long time to build. Absolutely, I have dressed up as an alien before, but it was uh, for a game of keg ball, and uh, I was painted green wearing a weird space suit. But um, <laughs> you will not catch me doing that in public at events uh, personally because I am, you know, a researcher, and I, in terms of being at events, I. I want to be taken more seriously if i was walking around dressed up like an alien i don't think i'd have as many conversations uh or you'd have more i think just maybe, needs trial and error but, or test it but out not the right not Even the right conversations money. yeah <laughs> that's true but anyways like i said cosplay is awesome people are great yeah. at it if you are doing that and you're going to be at alien con jason will be judging you yeah with robert Ricardo. <laughs> so that's really awesome <laughs> And also, like, please do come up and talk to us. You know, I'm not speaking, um, but Shane and I will be around with with uh, Jason and Ryan supporting them and running around. And um, please come up and talk to us. We want to hear your stories, whatever. Say hi. We don't bite. Yep. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. We're super excited for it. It's going to be a, a weekend of fun. And, yeah, hopefully we have... I mean, we always hope for this. We hope for more time to just have the the hangouts and and talk to people and and grab a drink. But we always seem to run out of time. So I know I I, I, I should take something back. Jason does bite. Uh, <laughs> it depends but he's on not the time judgmental. of judgmental. That's I'm not judgmental unless judging? I'm judging a costume contest, Shane. Oh, okay, yeah. that's true. It, he does ex- he does accept briberies in the forms of buying him drinks. So if you're really looking to get the inside edge. <laughs> The yeah, costume, what's the name costume, of that place again? <laughs> the the bar. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's, that's so, a hardcore so name right I, there. If, if you are, are with History, A&E, or, or Mischief Management, or Alien Con, and you're listening to this, Maureen is just kidding. 
Huh? My integrity is intact. I cannot be bribed. I will he be objective bribes. in my costume judging. <laughs> Try to get me in trouble, I, Maureen. I trust you. He is a very fair, impartial judge. There you go. Robert Picardo, on the other hand. No, I'm not going to sling mud. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think he'd probably be a little bit uh, lenient towards Star Trek. Yeah, uh, no, and there, there are a lot of Star Trek... Uh, uh, devotees at AlienCon. It is very popular there, so I'm sure we'll see a lot of Star Trek cosplay. And I would expect and William him. Shatner's going to be there. Yes, and Shat's going to oh be there. Oh my God, so. you guys. So I had no idea. I ended up hearing this weird William Shatner rap song on Friday at work. <laughs> and I wasn't really paying attention. And somebody goes like, oh yeah, like William Shatner's song. And I was like, wait, what? And they're like, didn't you like hear his voice? I guess I did. I just didn't realize it was like a real weird song. <laughs> well, that's hilarious. At AlienCon, you should get in line for Q and A and ask him if he'll he'll rap for you live. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna Google it right now. Hold on. I don't know. Anyways, so he has a lot of interesting musical uh, clips. Yes, he does. His musical career is fascinating. Yeah. All I know is my wife wants his autograph on on the book, so (laughs) I'm sure she'll be standing in a very long line for that. Yeah. Oh, your wife's coming. Yes. Nice. It's our anniversary on the 14th, and so we just decided this will be our little anniversary. Anniversary. She's she's such a good sport. She's game for anything. She'll be cool. Um, that's a very good wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. I'll keep her. It's been okay, wait, years. wait, wait. Um, when did we see this? Oh, that was five thirty-one. Yeah, sorry, I just saw Bryce Sable was tweeting um, about the uh, Lou Elizondo allegedly saying that the U.S. government has crash re- crash wreckage in its possession. Um, I forgot that was it. I don't watch Fox News, so I missed this Tucker Carlson interview. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but. But yeah, I wonder how that's going to play, whether that plays into the show or what. I'm sure it probably will. And again, I think that's all related to stuff that we've already heard since the very beginning. The first Mm -hmm. New York Times article about Bigelow and modifying his hangers and all of the the meta materials like this. We've been down this road before and it's the same story spinning and spawning new headlines. So. We'll see. I can't. Yeah, the Adam Project for sure. So Mm, yeah, right. I forgot about the Adam Project somehow. (laughs) Well, it's going to be interesting. I I think the first two episodes have done a done a great job. Um, It's telling an interesting story from a new perspective. You know, with all these military and government and aerospace insiders. So that's what really makes it fun and and different from other UFO shows we've seen. So um, you bring up a good point, Maureen. About are we just going to see investigations related to the Tic Tac incident or incidents uh, through all six episodes uh, with the previews for next episode suggesting that we're going to see more of it. I don't know, three episodes out of six. It's looking like that might be the case. Yeah, I, I, I think that might be the central core of this season. Maybe it's we're going to get one serious look. But again, like you said, at the, at the well, we've talked about prior at the close of each episode, they have, if you are a military person who has seen a UFO, please contact us. Yep. So they're building up 
other total non-related cases, we know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's not necessarily like, you know, one of the persons involved in the Tic Tac or the gimbal or, or yeah. what have you. It's any UFO. Yep, general. If you have seen something unidentified, contact them. Um, I would be selfish and say, instead, contact us. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure um, they're doing a good job of, you know, again, we have whether this is a misinformation campaign or not. It has been in the news nonstop. Um, but outside of the rumor mill and what's going on and whoever, if everyone says, uh, you know, what they say is who they are and all this kind of good stuff, we are approaching this with they they are making waves and good stuff's happening at least in terms of like you said destigmatizing and talking about it. So, um, yeah. I look forward to the rest of the season. I guess I'm I'm interested to see. Um, in my opinion, I'm guessing we're going to have no real answers at the end of this, like usual, because because this is such a giant mystery. So, um, I don't know. It it'll be interesting to see how it's all wrapped up. We're still yep, several episodes away from that, but we'll just have to keep watching. It's it's fun, and I look forward to the next episode and and ultimately the finale to see where we where we wind up. But I suspect more is coming. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, citizens, as we wrap up this episode, I invite you to come join us in the Rogue Planet Facebook group at facebook.com/groups/rogueplanet. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the second episode of Unidentified or anything else UFO-related that's on your mind. You can find more episodes of Unknown on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider so you're notified when we publish new episodes. And if you haven't done it already, do us a big favor and take a minute to rate and review Unknown on your favorite podcast platform. You can always find this show at RoguePlanet.tv because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange. Big thanks to our talented friend and fellow Rogue Planeteer Caleb Hanks for the show's intro and outro music. Check out all his work at TheClerkChronicles.com. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm Maureen Ellsbury. And I'm Shane Hurd. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And, of course, stay strange. Stay strange.